everyone. Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for the week seven picks, five games that we're going to look at. Plus, uh, I'll share just a couple of brief thoughts about some other exciting out-of-conference games. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. And if you are listening on Apple, please follow, leave a review. Also, feel free to check us out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You should be able to find the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast Excited to to get started here. Before we dive into the Big Ten picks, uh, there's a few intriguing games to me. Uh, I'm not going to pick them, but I'll give you a couple thoughts. Really good out-of-conference games. Kentucky versus Georgia. TCU versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, Texas. I, I feel like the only one I really have a decent read on is Georgia at Kentucky. I think Georgia runs away with it, but... Intriguing to note that Kentucky has a couple of uh, former Penn State and Nebraska players on their team, including uh, former Penn State quarterback Will the Thrill Levis. That's uh, a Gus Johnson-ism right there, Will the Thrill. And then former Nebraska receiver Wandale Robinson, part of that Wildcat offense. So it'll be interesting to see. It's a pretty big line. Uh, I don't think Georgia covers, but I don't think I think Kentucky is a really good team, but I don't think Kentucky will be able to to score enough on that nasty Georgia defense. That'll be fun. Also curious to see kind of some of the intrigue with Oklahoma. You know, Caleb Williams coming in for uh, uh, Spencer Rattler. Couldn't remember his name for a minute. Interested to see kind of what happens with that team. Does Caleb Williams just start the rest of the way? If so, how does he do against, a, I think, an underrated TCU team? See how they, they do against that defense. Gary Patterson always has his boys ready for those, those big games. Let's move right into the Big Ten slate, and then we'll take a quick commercial break, and then I want to talk about some comments made by a certain coach that certainly is going to set off at least one fan base in the Big Ten. Uh but we're, we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. Let's let's go right to the picks. Nebraska at Minnesota, 12 p.m. on ESPN2. Nebraska's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Surprised by the line on this. Nebraska is actually rated 24th in S&P Plus ranking, or, or rating, rather, which I think makes sense if you look at how Nebraska has competed against – Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma also have been surprised by the reports about Scott Frost. In a lot of ways, it seems like athletic director Trev Alberts really actually has a lot of optimism with Scott Frost, which is surprising to me because he has lost a lot of games by one or one or fewer scores, you know, this past week, notwithstanding, right? They they lost to Michigan because of another turnover by Adrian Martinez late in that game where they had a chance to go drive down the field and score. So a little surprised by that, but if you look at how their team is constructed, their defense is playing well, they've been competitive against Oklahoma, Michigan State, Michigan, really should have won both against Michigan State and Michigan, at least I think so. Meanwhile, Minnesota's off a bye, and I'm assuming they're going to have Chris Hopman-Bell back at receiver. 
you know, they have some good talent at receiver. Traceon Potts is playing well as a running back. They have a good offensive line. I'm just not sold on Minnesota as a whole team. You know, obviously they, they struggled against Bowling Green and lost. Uh, They barely beat Purdue who was coming off a lot of injuries. So I, I think Nebraska wins. I think they win handily. Nebraska 31, Minnesota 13. Uh, We're going to take a look at Rutgers at Northwestern. I think Rutgers is the better team, but while Northwestern was on a bye, Rutgers just went through this gauntlet of Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State. So I think it's possible that Northwestern comes in, you know, it's at Evanston, you know, again, Pat Fitzgerald, I don't know if there's a coach that I trust more than him to, to do less or to do more with less. Uh, but I think Pacheco is going to have a good game at running back. Noah Vedrill and Johnny Langan, I think, will be effective in that quarterback run game. And I think special teams will be a big big factor in this with Aaron Crickshank back, back there at punt return. I've got Rutgers 24, Northwestern 17. Army at Wisconsin. It's an 8 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. Wisconsin's a 14-point favorite. Tricky game here. Army is a good team in terms of defending the run they're weak against the pass but that's kind of a tough matchup then for wisconsin because wisconsin is pretty good at running the ball and they've really struggled throwing the ball now obviously you know my complaints about graham mertz are well documented on this podcast uh wisconsin's defense has been really good but they do go up against a unique uh, running, uh, running attack with army. It's the triple option and army averages over 300 yards a game. So I think ultimately, I think Wisconsin wins. I, I think they'll overpower the black Knights, but I think it's closer than the experts think. I think army covers in this game. Army's well coached. They only have one loss. I think they, they stay in it until the fourth quarter, but Wisconsin gets it done. Gets back to 500. Uh, on the season. Uh, I have Wisconsin 20, Army 13. That's that's my final score. Number 10, Michigan State at Indiana. It's a 12 p.m. kick on FS1. Michigan State is a four and a half point favorite. A little surprised by that. A little surprised by that line. Uh, in fact, I've heard a number of analysts say that they think Michigan State should be on upset alert this week. I don't see it. I really don't see it. Michael Penix is, is going to be out for this game. Jack Tuttle is going to be the quarterback. And I've just seen no signs of offensive explosive uh, offense, offensive explosion from this Hoosier offense. They've struggled to run the ball. You know, Ty Freifogel is a good receiver, but he he's just not getting loose like he did last year. And while I don't think Michigan State's defense is all that great you know i think they have they have moments but they've struggled defensively i still don't think indiana's offense is going to be able to do enough to threaten the spartans i do think indiana's defense will slow down michigan state i I think indiana still has one of the better defenses in the league taiwan mullen and micah mcfadden and those boys they are a really good unit and uh tom allen is a defensive-minded coach I think they will limit Michigan State but ultimately Kenneth Walker who might be the Heisman frontrunner at this point 
maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if there is a Heisman front runner at this point, but if there is a front runner, Kenneth Walker has to be on that list. I think he ends up getting his gets over a hundred yards by the end of the game. But I, I like Michigan state to pull away. I don't think it's going to be even as close as the score I have. Uh, it ended up being, I have Michigan state 24, Indiana 13, Number two, Iowa at Purdue. It's a 3.30 kick on ABC. Pro- uh, probably, I think, going to be the best game of the, of the Big Ten slate. Uh, Iowa's an 11.5-point favorite. And I know people might think, oh, Iowa's going to run away with this one. Remember, Purdue beat Iowa last year. Purdue beat them. And Purdue is coming off a bye. So they've had time to get healthy. I'm really curious to see how Iowa does after this big win. You know, Kirk Ferentz is talking. I don't know if I want to say he's talking trash, but he's he's feeling himself a little bit. I, I, I'll just say that. But Riley Moss, their, uh, their stud defensive back, he's going to be out for this game. He's probably going to be out for a couple games. And uh, while they had to face Ebicady last week uh, facing Penn State, they have not seen a pass rusher like George Karloftis. They just have not. George Karloftis is probably going to be a first-round pick, really good defensive end, might be the best defensive end in the, in the conference. And, well, Michigan fans are going to be upset with that. Aiden Hutchinson's the best defensive end in the conference right now. But Karloftis, I think, is also up there with him. Important to note that Purdue did uh, – they beat Iowa last year with Aiden O'Connell at the helm. I'm curious to see who starts this game at quarterback. Aiden O'Connell has been the guy the past couple of weeks. And honestly, I, you know, as I was reading up on it, I, I thought it was an injury related thing and it, it might've been to begin with, but it really seems like they, they are sticking with O'Connell, which surprises me because O'Connell has four touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, a lower completion percentage Jack Plummer has uh, a little bit higher completion percentage, has thrown seven touchdowns to zero interceptions. Granted, he was doing that against teams like UConn. And UConn, I don't even know if UConn realizes they're playing football this year. So I, I think Purdue is going to test Iowa. I think this is a game similar to Colorado State where Iowa's going to come out slow. You know, they're coming off the big win. And I think you know, Purdue might get a couple of quick strikes. You know, David Bell is back. He's had a week to get, to get right. And so I think Purdue will test Iowa. I don't think Purdue gets it done. Even, even though Purdue's at home, I, I think Iowa gets it done. I don't think they lose this game. I've got Iowa 20, Purdue 17 with Iowa getting a timely pick uh, in the second half of the game that, that helps them get that win. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then I'll be back to talk about the Hawkeye head coach and some uh, interesting comments he had to make about his fan base. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Just a quick programming note. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that you could find this on YouTube. This episode will not be on YouTube. We're having a lot of video difficulty. So just as an FYI, if you're like, I thought I could watch this on YouTube. Uh, you can't actually see this on YouTube, so I apologize. But 
Them's the breaks. Technology. Oh, well. I want to get to some stuff that's been going on in Iowa. Uh, there was a, a lot of talk, uh, and Penn State fans were talking about it, and I want to address it, especially because I, I do live in Penn State country. But there was a lot of consternation about Iowa's fans booing Penn State players when there were apparent injuries on the field. Now, to give some context, maybe if, if you don't know much about college football or if, if you're wondering why would why would a fan base be so classless to boo people, there there is a particular thing that happens, particularly with teams that go what's called up-tempo. And what they do is, is teams will start to realize that their personnel does not match the personnel of the team on offense or they're moving so quick that they're not able to get set and get a defensive play call. And so a defensive player will feign injury and drop to his knee and there'll be an official's timeout and they can get the right personnel on the field and slow a team's momentum down. So that's, that's what this is in context to. So there were a lot of, a lot of injuries for Penn state and a lot of Iowa fans thought that Penn state was going down just to slow down momentum for Iowa. And uh, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz was asked about this. And, you know, typically when head coaches are asked about stuff like that, you kind of expect them to, to kind of downplay it a little bit and say, yeah, like, you know, our fans probably shouldn't have done that. Or yeah, like, you know, that's part of the game. And, and that's not what Kirk Ferentz said. So this is what Kirk Ferentz had to say. He said, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. But I think probably the booing is a reaction to, there were a couple of guys that were down for the count and then we're back a play or two later. Our fans aren't stupid. They're watching. They know what's going on. Our fans thought they smelled a rat. I guess. I don't know. So they responded the way they responded. These are really interesting comments, and I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I think there's a few things that I just find problematic. So first off, I, I want to give Kurt, uh, Coach Ferentz credit. He is, I think he's one of the best head coaches in the Big Ten, one of the best coaches, uh, certainly the probably the best coach in Iowa history besides Hayden Fry. And so I, I think... I think we have to give a, a level of respect here. He, he's a great coach. He's, he's typically a classy, classy guy. You know, he's been at Iowa forever. I think, I think 23 years he's been the head coach at Iowa. So, I mean, he has a lot of credibility. And he does say at the beginning of this, he doesn't want to see anyone get hurt. Doesn't want to see anyone get hurt. And obviously there are a couple there were a couple guys for Penn State, Sean Clifford being the biggest one, uh, and PJ Mustafer, who is also a big time player. They left the game and they were out of the game for the entire the entirety of it once they went down. And so that is true. And I, I think the thing that bothers me about this is that. I think Kirk Ferentz had an opportunity to kind of 
you know, downplay this and say, Hey, yeah, like we really want to treat injuries seriously. You know, we don't want to see guys get hurt. You know, I hope Sean Clifford feels better. I hope PJ Mustafer feels better. You know, we, we want to, we want those guys to feel, you know, you know, be, we want them to get back and be healthy and all that stuff. He had an opportunity to do that. And, and instead he took, he took a stance that actually really surprised me, which is defending the fans and defending the fans in unsportsmanlike behavior, which I think becomes even more problematic because it's, it's, it becomes a subtle accusation that Penn state is flopping so that they can get time off uh, and that they have time to, to get set which is problematic on a couple levels. One, I saw fans in that game mocking quarterback Sean Clifford for his injury. In fact, there's one one uh, gif or jif, I don't know how you say it, uh, of a guy mocking a shoulder injury, which is clearly Sean Clifford. And he's, you know, it's a 50-year-old fan who's, who's making fun of Sean Clifford. And that... I don't want to project that that could be a two week injury. It could be a season ending injury. And, you know, Sean Clifford's not going to care about that guy, but to condone that type of behavior to me is inexcusable. And listen, I think Iowa fans are typically pretty classy. You know, so if you're an Iowa fan, like I, in general, I really respect you guys. I really, I think you guys are a classy fan base. You guys know your football, but like there's, there's some, reactions to, to guys who were down and did not come back that were uncalled for. And so not that's, that's an issue, but then second, you are casting doubt on what James Franklin said, which is that the intent was not to, to slow down the game or disrupt rhythm. Now you can believe that or not, you know, and I'm not the biggest James Franklin defender in the world, but to boo those injuries and then for your head coach to say, yeah, like our fans aren't stupid. They're watching. They know what's going on. Like, listen, I've watched Penn state several times this year. You know, Jaquan Brisker went down uh, a couple times in the Iowa game. He's been down several times and it has never been because he's trying to slow down momentum. It's because he's dealing with nagging injuries, Right. Ebikati could have gone down several times in that game because you see him limping and he doesn't, he doesn't do that. And then there's, there's just the reality that Iowa does not run up tempo. Now, yes, on an explosive play, they might run up to the line and, and do a quick snap, but those weren't the plays that they were, they were down on. Like they were down on routine plays. They were down. Like it, it was, the spots that you would go down on were not the spots that they were going down. Like Penn state had legitimate injury issues all game. And if you could not see that, then you, you are making stuff up. (laughs) And it, it bothers me that a coach that is highly respected as Kirk Ferentz would insinuate that because honestly, I think you want to do everything you can to elevate the sportsmanship. And I, I think he's, I, I think he's honestly, he's, he's 
paint a huge target on his back because I'll tell you what, if they get Penn State in the Big Ten championship game, I don't know if Penn State's going to show a lot of mercy. And Iowa might win that game, but again, after seeing them play and seeing them compete, Penn State was the better team. Like, that's the other thing. Penn State didn't need to fall down in that game, right? Like, they were they were clearly the better team up until Clifford went down. So I, I don't like this. I, I, I get it. Like, fans are smart. Sometimes we're also, we're also mean, right? And, you know, this idea, our fans thought they smelled a rat and they responded that way. I think you, I think coach Ferentz had a really good opportunity to say, yeah, you know, even if that's the case, you know, our fans really, you know, we, we are, we, we pride ourselves on being a respectful, knowledgeable, classy fan base. And we shouldn't have done that. You know, like booing is just never, and maybe this is me, this, maybe this is the, the old soul in me, but I, I don't think booing is ever the right response. And it's, and to, to fan the flame of this, and that, not only to fan the flame, flame of this, but then to say, we never do it, but we know of other teams that do it. It just kind of reeks of arrogance and self-righteousness. And I think, I think I was going to pay for it at some point, probably in the big 10 championship game, maybe even against Purdue this week. Uh, and I, I don't say that to wish ill on Iowa, but I comments like that are what get, it, it's what gets teams ticked off at you. And I'm not sure Iowa should be the, the ones thumping their chest and, you know, trying to low-key throw shade on a team that they might meet again in the Big Ten championship game. I get it. They're confident. They're they're cocky. They're excited because they're six and zero. They won the first top five matchup in uh, in the Big Ten since 2016. I get it. I get it. And if you're an Iowa fan, you have every right to be excited. And I think there are real, you know, real good things that could come your way if you guys went out and win the big 10. But I don't think this is the right move. I don't think this was helpful. And I think if you're an Iowa fan and if in your booing injuries, I think you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what the heck are you doing? Like you're, you're booing injuries of 18 to 22 year old kids who are playing, who are playing football, 18 to 22 year old young adults. Like, come on, let's not do that. Let's not be those types of fans. Okay. Like I want to see, you know, even, even if you think it's part of a strategy, let's not boo because you know what, even if it is a part of a strategy, what, what if that injury is a season ending injury? What if that injury is a career ending injury? Like, you don't know, you don't know. You didn't see the replay. You just see a guy down on the ground. So I love Kirk Ferentz. I, I want to end with that. I think Kirk Ferentz is one of the best coaches in my lifetime. You know, to be able to consistently win at Iowa. And I mean consistently. You know, consistent top 10 finishes. Consistent 
finishing in the top two or three of the conference, consistently getting to bowl games. That's hard to do at Iowa. It's insanely hard to do at Iowa. Like we're seeing how difficult it is to win at Nebraska and Nebraska is a national brand. What he's doing at Iowa is incredible. I wish he would have taken the higher road here. So those are my thoughts on Kirk Ferentz. I appreciate you guys listening. Let me know what you guys think in the, in the reviews and the comments uh, on the, on Apple and, and otherwise, again, this is the big 10 football talk podcast. My hope is to hit you guys with the mid-season review this weekend. We'll talk about uh, my playoff picks and kind of my picks for the for each Big Ten team. Talk about Heisman stuff. We'll talk about where I think the playoff is is going. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to to kind of get into that stuff. The Heisman race is wide open. I have no idea who I'm going to have on my Heisman uh, top five for the Heisman. So. Uh, maybe, maybe this is the year that, uh, Kenneth Walker wins it. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. Of course, I, I like Travion Henderson, although I don't think he'll win it, but, uh, he's my guy. He's the man. Anyway, that's, uh, that's it for big 10 football talk. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Have a good day. God bless. God bless.